Go ahead and take your Bibles. Go to Acts chapter 16 this morning. Acts chapter 16. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to try to answer a question that really the answer to it is very simple, but yet man and religion and preachers and Christians, we've made this, uh, we've complicated the answer very much and we've caused a lot of confusion. And the question is simply this What must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? You know, it said how many how many people today, and if and if you're in this boat right now, I hope you don't think I'm criticizing you in any way. I'm not criticizing you one bit. But it's it's sad to me how many people today really struggle with finding the answer to this question that they really don't know for sure. And listen, if that's you today, if you're not real sure you're saved, you know, I'm not going to blame you for it because you know, really, the truth is. Religion has really complicated this question today. And while the answer is very simple, there's been so many things that have been taught that are, that are lies that it's made it very hard for people a lot of times and they wonder if they're saved. And there's people today that are not saved that think they are. And then there's other people today that I believe probably are saved, but they're not sure. And I believe God wants us to know that we're saved. I believe He wants us to have assurance of our salvation. And He wants us to be able to have that confidence of it. And the Bible talks about putting on the helmet of salvation. And I personally believe that that helmet of salvation is talking about having the assurance of your salvation. That helmet, it protects you you know, from attacks to the head. And Satan, if you don't have that helmet of salvation, if you're not sure you're saved, he's going to be able to get to your mind real easy and make you he'll make people feel like you know you're there's no way you could be saved and he'll get you doubting and if you're doubting it's going to be hard to get to that next step uh, in your Christian life and so uh, this morning I want us to look at what we must do to be saved and we're going to look at some of these things that we're being told that I believe is really confusing things and I think you're going to see the answer to what must I do to be saved is very simple and we see this very question asked in the Bible and in Acts chapter 16 verse 30 Paul and Silas, they've been in prison. And if you know the story, they were put in prison for just preaching the gospel. They didn't do anything wrong. But while they were there, boy, they were singing praises, and an earthquake came, and it just it opened the doors, and the chains fell off of them. And all of a sudden, we see here this jailer, he's about ready to kill himself because he's thinking, oh man, these guys all went away on my watch. He had fallen asleep. And he was about to kill himself, and they stopped him from killing himself. And in verse 30 it says, and brought them out, and he said, he asked them a question, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I believe that was a very simple question he asked, and I believe it's very obvious what he meant. He wanted salvation. He wanted to know that he is going to go to heaven. And he asked them, what must I do to be saved? And then it says that Paul and Silas went and they sat down and they, for several hours, they discussed all these theological issues and, you know, they went and taught him the whole Bible from the Old Testament to the New Testament and they made him go through all these classes and courses so he could, you know, learn how to look like a Christian and act. Is that what the Bible says happened? No. You know what it says? He said, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And thy house. It said. Now, a lot of people take that. You know, if you get saved, your whole family will get saved. No. Basically what that means is if you'll believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll get saved. And you know what? If your house believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, they'll get saved too. 
is what that means. When I got saved, it didn't automatically save my children. They've got to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ too. And the simple answer to what must I do to be saved is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's like, oh, wait a minute, that's a little too simple, isn't it? You know, what, you know, isn't it, isn't there a little more to it than that? And the truth is, no, there's not. And there's many things that people are being taught that just aren't true, that's really complicated, this whole issue of salvation. And one of the things that people are being taught is that people got saved during the Old Testament times different than in the New Testament times that we're living in today. A lot of people don't refer to this as dispensationalism. And dispensationalism, you know, there's, I guess, things about it that, you know, you can learn from. But here's what basically dispensationalism is. They'll talk about, okay, there was first the, uh, the Edenic dispensation. When Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, the way to salvation was by them not eating the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if they would have done that, they would have been okay. But of course, they ate the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so, they fell and it ushered them into the dispensation of conscience. And I'm talking really smart right now because all these people that do this, they always sound really intelligent and uh, like they're smarter than everybody else. And it put them in the dispensation of conscience. And then, you know, they every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And of course, they, that didn't go very well either. And it... Uh, the flood ended up coming and then God instituted government. And then we got into the dispensation of civil government. And that didn't go well either. They went and built the Tower of Babel. And so then after that, we have the time of the promise. The dispensation of promise. And God told Abraham you know, to get out of that country and go into a land that He'll show him. And then there was the Mosaic uh, time where God gave them or the dispensation of the law. And today we are in the dispensation of grace is what they call it. And and then someday we're going to go into the millennial kingdom and then the eternal state. And boy, and you know, some of these people too, they make this stuff really interesting. And they'll and they'll give all these examples of how the people would have been getting saved then, because you know, how could you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ when Jesus Christ hadn't even been born yet? They had to have a different way to salvation. But you know, when you actually look in the New Testament You'll see these people in the Old Testament got saved the same way that we get saved today. Alright, and look in Genesis chapter 3 verse 21. Alright, so this is during the Edenic dispensation. And it says, uh, it says unto Adam and to his wife, the Lord God made coats of skins and clothed them. That was a picture, you know, people believe that was a picture of their salvation. And they'll say that that was kind of the salvation of them. But really, okay, let's go to the dispensation of, you know, the Edenic dispensation. Why did man fall? It was because they didn't believe God, right? God said not to eat of that tree. And Satan said, go ahead and eat of that tree. And when they didn't, or when they disobeyed God and they listened to the devil, why did they do it? It's because they didn't believe God, did they? And so they fell. And as far as, you know, when I, I believe when God clothed them, I do believe that is a picture of salvation. But, you know, really we don't see in the Bible, you know, when Adam and Eve necessarily got saved that exact moment. But when you get into the dispensation of conscience that they talk about with Abel, go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 actually has somebody from really almost every dispensation, as they call it, 
But Hebrews chapter 11, it's all about people being saved by grace through faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of not things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith... Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. So Abel, he offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Why did Abel bring the sacrifice and why did Cain bring the fruit? Well, because Abel believed God. Abel was obedient to God. He believed God. And Cain didn't believe. So Cain did his own thing. We see that really it was just belief. And then if you go on verse 5, by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek them. See that word believe there again? Enoch. He believed. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. How do we have faith? By believing in Him. None of us in here, we've never seen God before, have we? But we believe in Him by faith, don't we? Just like Abel never saw God. Just like Enoch never saw God. But they believed Him by faith. And we see there, it was belief. In verse 7, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and become heir of the righteousness which is by faith. So Noah, why did he build the ark? Because he believed God. God told him a flood's going to come. And Noah believed God and he built that ark. And you can go on and on. You know, Abraham and Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. I want to read some of these verses to you. Hebrews chapter 11 and verses 8-10 through 10, it mentions uh, it says, by faith Abraham when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance obeyed and he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob the heirs with him of the same promise for he looked for a city which hath foundation whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Notice how these people, they believed God. And then, with Abraham specifically, it, uh, throughout the Bible, or the New Testament, it mentions his belief in God. Romans chapter 4 and verse 3. I've got so many, I've got so many scriptures to go to, it's not even funny. Romans chapter 4, verse 3. I thought I put Put all these down. See if I can find them. It's a bad thing when you have that many pages of notes. Romans chapter 4, verse 3. Look at what it says about Abraham. You turn the microphone down a little bit. I'm getting a ringing up here. It's messing with my mind. Romans 4, 3. For what saith the Scriptures? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Abraham believed God. God told him to go into that land. Was it the work of going into the land that saved him, or was it the belief in God? It was the belief in God. In fact, if you look at Galatians chapter three, verse six and seven, it says the same thing. Abraham believed God. James two twenty three, it says the same thing. Abraham believed 
God, we see in the Old Testament that it was believing. It was simply believing. It was by grace through faith like it is today. But without faith, it's impossible to please Him. The way we show faith is we must believe that He is. And He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. We could go on and on with different examples. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 22 and 23, it says there, it mentions when Daniel got thrown in the line, God delivered him because he believed in his God. We don't have time to turn there, but Jonah chapter 3, verses 3, there was a whole city of people. And people, they want to talk all the time about how the Jews are the chosen people and they were really the only ones getting saved during that time. Yet, during Jonah's time, we see a whole city of Nineveh None of them are Jews that the whole city believed God. The whole city got saved. They didn't get saved by doing animal sacrifices. They didn't get saved by keeping the law. They got saved, the Bible says, because they believed. And just there's example after example. We don't even have time to turn to them. Well, let's look at that one in Jonah. So Jonah rose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. The whole city got saved by believing in God. So, that sounds an awful lot like what we read in Acts chapter 16, doesn't it? That you get saved simply by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then also, so they'll say, well, okay, you know, it's more than just believing. Also, you have to change to get saved. Okay? You need to change. You gotta, you gotta turn from your sins to get saved. And listen, I believe in turning from your sins. I believe in changing your life and all that stuff. But once again, you can't show me in the Bible where that's what saves you. That's how you get saved. See, many don't understand the definition of repentance. They'll say, well, you have to repent to get saved. And you know what? You're absolutely right. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17 says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist said, You have to, you know, he said the same thing, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. But the definition of repent means to think differently. To think differently. To reconsider. So in other words, to think differently, that would be like, okay, at one time, I didn't believe in Christ. Now, I think different. I do believe in Christ. That sounds like repentance to me, doesn't it? Repent, you know, but a lot of people know repentance. That's where you go and you change your ways and you clean up your act and you never sin again. You know, you never do any of the big sins again. You'll do the little sins, but you won't do the big ones anymore. And then that's what saves you. That's what means you're saved. You know, you got to do works. You got to get baptized. You got to do this. No, repentance is just—it's a change of mind. It means you think different now. In other words, before you didn't believe, now. You do believe. So, yeah, you do have to repent because you have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ in order to be saved. You see, you know, it's like, now repent, you know, that's turning from your sins. Well, let me ask you a question. Has God ever sinned? Has God? Of course not. There is no sin in God, but did you know that many times the Bible talks about God repenting? Genesis, the first time repenting is used in the Bible. Genesis chapter 6, verse 6 says, 
and it repented the Lord that He had made man on the earth, and it grieved Him at His heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth Me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So we see here God repenting. What was what was going on? God was thinking different about this idea of creating man. He was like, he said that wasn't a good idea. He, God's allowed to do that. Was that is that a sin? No. He was just changing his thinking, wasn't he? And that's what it means when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Your thinking's changed, hasn't it? And therefore, you repented. And thankfully, you know God. He, you know, he repented many times in the Bible. He often, you know, he it repented. You know, it repented him that he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. I believe he refers to him repenting many times there. But it wasn't because God sinned. It was because he changed his mind about things. And when we get saved, yes, you must repent. In other words, you need to go from not believing in Christ to believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see that believing and repenting are the same things. You didn't believe, now you do. Repentance. And I want to show you a few verses I think help back this up. Look at Psalms chapter 78, verse 12. This is an example in the Old Testament. Because a lot of people, you know, they talk about with these dispensations, they act like it's almost like they get the idea that all the Jews that ever lived during the Old Testament time were saved, but they weren't. It was the ones who believed. And look at Psalms chapter 78, verse 12. It says, Marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through. Now, passing through the Red Sea, that would have been a pretty eye-opening thing, wouldn't you think? Wouldn't you think that anybody who went through the Red Sea would believe in God after that? Well, you would be wrong if you would think that. Because it's not the case. And look, it says... He made the waters to stand up as in heat. In the daytime also He led them with the cloud and all the night with the light of fire. He clave the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink out of the great depths. He brought streams also out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. If you saw water come out of a rock, you think that would make, that would make people believe? Well, if you think that, you'd be wrong. Because look, look, let's keep reading. And they sinned yet more against Him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. And they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. Yea, they spake against God. And they said, Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Behold, He smote the rock that waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can He give bread also? Can He provide flesh for His people? Therefore the Lord heard this and was wroth. So a fire was kindled against Jacob and anger also came up against Israel because they believed not in God and trusted not in His salvation. They saw all those things and yet they still didn't believe. And you know what? Many of them died and they went to hell. And it didn't matter that they were Jews. It didn't matter, maybe even if they had kept some of the sacrifices and things, they didn't believe God and they died. And they went to hell. Even after they saw all those things, those people didn't believe. They didn't believe and trust in His salvation. So in the Old Testament, they got saved the same way you and I do, by believing. Noah believed. The verse we read before it said, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. How did Noah find grace in the eyes of the Lord? There was something different about Noah than everybody else. And that's that Noah believed God. 
And Noah moved with fear. And Noah built that ark. There clearly was a difference between him and everybody else. If you're saved today, there's a difference between you and the lost. And that difference is that you believed and they don't. And that's what makes a person saved. Simply by believing. John chapter 3, verse 14 says, And Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light has come to the world and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. As, you know, Brother Tom, when you believe if a person commits certain sins, that that means that they definitely are going to hell, and I will say yes. What is that sin? Not believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what about suicide? Do you believe somebody commits suicide? That's a big one I get asked all the time. Hey, if they didn't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and they died, they're in hell. If they believed, they're in heaven. Alright? It doesn't, the sins, we don't see where that matters. The, the, the one that does is not believing. And people, they want to make up all these rules. If they did this, they couldn't have been saved. The only thing we see in the Bible. He that believeth not is condemned already. Not he that committed suicide is condemned already. Or not he that you know is, you know drinks and drives. And he that you know he that's a bigot. You know, it doesn't, doesn't say that. He says he that believeth not. Acts chapter eight verse twelve. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. When did they get baptized, you always get baptized after you get saved. When do you get saved? When you believe. They believed. And they got baptized. Acts 11.15 And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. Then they remembered the Word of the Lord how He said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as He did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. What was I that I could withstand God? When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. You know what they were looking at? The filling of the Holy Ghost. You know when the filling of the Holy Ghost comes? It comes on salvation. When you believe, they the same thing happened to the Gentiles that believed that happened to the Jews that were believing. They got filled with the Holy Ghost. When? When they believed. What happened when they believed? They got saved. When they got saved, they got filled with the Holy Ghost. When you got saved, the Holy Ghost dwelt in your life. When did I get saved? When you believed. On the Lord Jesus Christ, it really, I mean, uh, so I'm showing a lot of Bible verses here just to try to prove that that's what it is. And that we're not just taking one out of context. It really is that simple. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the Gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Everyone that believeth. That's how you get saved by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's like, okay, well, but wait a minute. How could the Old Testament people believe on the Lord Jesus Christ when the Lord Jesus Christ hadn't even been born yet? They had to, they had to believe in a coming Messiah. They had to believe that God was going to do it. But here's the thing, though. 
Did most of those people in the Old Testament know that God was going to send His Son to the earth eventually and that He was going to die on a cross? They weren't prepared for that. The disciples who were believers, they weren't prepared for that. They weren't expecting it. Of all those people, for all those years that got saved, got saved believing in God sending His Son in the future to die on the cross for them, then how come nobody saw it coming when Jesus died on the cross? The truth is, you can't separate believing in God from believing in Christ and believing in God's Word. There's people out there that try to say, well, I believe in God, but I don't believe in Jesus Christ. That's impossible. That makes no sense. That can't be done. Or they'll say, I believe in Jesus Christ, but I don't believe in the Bible. That doesn't make sense either. You cannot separate those three things. Proof of that? People say all the time, well, the Jews, they're not much different than us. They believe in the Old Testament, but we believe in the Old Testament and the New Testament. The truth is, they don't even believe the Old Testament. Jesus told them that in John 5.46. It said, For had ye believed Moses... Talking about those first five books of the Bible. He said, For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed Me, for he wrote of Me. But if ye believe not his writings, how shall ye believe My words? Now, is Jesus Christ's name ever mentioned in Genesis through Deuteronomy? No. But Genesis through Deuteronomy, you can't help but read those passages and not see Christ all over the place. And the truth is, it does write a lot about God in there. And the truth is too, you can see where it's talking about Christ. And right there we see how, in just from those two verses there, that you cannot separate believing in God from believing in Christ and believing in the Word of God. It's kind of a package deal. If you believe in one, you believe in all of them. So those Jews that said they believed Moses, Jesus said, no, you don't. Because if they would have believed Moses they would have believed Jesus Christ. If I'm standing here and I'm telling you one thing, and Brother Menez is up here and he's telling you the exact same thing, and you say you believe me but you don't believe him, how does that make any sense? Because the Old Testament and New Testament, they never contradict each other. God and Jesus Christ never contradict each other. God, Jesus, and the Bible never contradict each other. You cannot believe in one without believing in all of them. So those people in the Old Testament, while they might not have known the name of Jesus Christ, they might not have had as many things revealed to them as we have today, they still believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. and they believed, Because they believed in God. And when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you believe in God. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you believe the Word of God. It's a package deal. It all goes together. You cannot. There's no way to possibly separate them. So then, alright, fine. So, I get that, you know, we're saved. Everybody's been saved the same way. From Adam to us today, we're all saved the same way. But you know, you know, surely you have to do something. But no, we've proved that it's believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believing is what gets you saved. So then, well, okay, there's got to be more to than that. So maybe what it is then, you can lose your salvation. Alright? That's possible, right? Surely, if somebody says they believe and then they go and they kill a bunch of people, you know, surely those people lost their salvation and they can't still be saved. Well, let's look at what the Bible actually says about these things. So believing gets you saved, but we see in the Bible that it's God who keeps us saved. Romans 11.28 says, "...as concerning the Gospel, they are enemies..." Uh, talking about the Jews for your sakes, but as touching the election... They are beloved for the Father's sake. 
For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. For as ye in times past have not believed God, and yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief. Okay, what God, what, right here that verse where it says, for the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. He's talking about you know them Jews in the Old Testament that believe God. Well, they're saved and they're still saved today. And they're, you know, they're in heaven today. Why? Because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. God doesn't change His mind when he, with His gifts. The gifts. Alright, salvation, it's a gift of God, right? So if God gives you that gift, can He change His mind and take it away from you? Not according to that verse. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. He doesn't change His mind. If He gave you the gift of salvation that you receive through faith by believing in Him, He's not going to take it away. God will not take away that gift. The gifts and the calling of God. When, if, when you got saved, you, know, you became a part of that election. You became a part of that chosen and you can't possibly lose it. And then in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 29, it says, "Let no corrupt uh, communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. When we sin, we definitely can grieve the Holy Spirit of God, for sure. And the Bible says, don't do it. But notice what it says after that: it says, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption." Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. We see here in this passage that as Christians, we can sin. We're not supposed to. When we do, we grieve the Holy Spirit. God has commanded us to put those things away from us, but notice what He says. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit whereby ye are sealed under the day of redemption. You don't stay saved by your good works. You stay saved because of the Holy Spirit of God. For you to be able to break free of that salvation, you'd have to be stronger than the Holy Spirit of God. And so we see we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. John chapter 10, verse 27 says, My sheep hear My voice, and I know them, and they follow Me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. If God gives you a gift, the Bible says that He will not change His mind on, and it's eternal, and you'll never perish. If you commit suicide and lose your salvation, was that gift eternal? If you went to hell, did you not just perish? Well, that doesn't seem to line up. Well, it doesn't. So therefore, suicide, you know, they always like to come up with these sins. That has to make you lose your salvation. No, that's not how it works. So they give them the eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. So God's greater than anything out there, and so for you to get out of the Father's hand, it's going to have to be somebody stronger. Or you're going to have to be stronger. And nobody is. And then notice here too, this goes along with you can't separate believing in God from believing in Jesus. John 10.30, I and my Father are one. So we see that we're held in the hand of the Father. We see that we are sealed by the Holy Ghost of God. So I think it's pretty safe to say that if you're saved today, you're okay. You're going to stay saved. You're not going to be able to lose that salvation. And we could preach a whole message just on eternal security. That's just a few things right there. That just prove that you cannot lose 
your salvation. You cannot lose a gift of God. He doesn't take those gifts back. He doesn't take those callings back. They're without repentance. And then, some will say, well, if you find it, you can't lose your salvation, but nobody that's saved would ever do certain sins. They would never commit suicide. They would never kill anybody. They would never, you know, whatever. Well, and they'll say, well, if you don't change, you didn't get saved. Now listen, I believe salvation is going to change. It's going to make a difference in you. I believe it usually does change people, but let's look at what the Bible says. Alright? We see that works don't save, but there's something we're supposed to do, but we often fail to do. Titus chapter 3 verse 7 says that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These are good and profitable also unto men. Okay, if you believe God, you're saved. You need to be careful to maintain good works. Why do we need to be careful about it? If we're saved, don't we just automatically do it? Did that happen to anybody when you got saved, you just automatically started doing everything right? Or did you still have problems sinning? Alright? If you're honest, I think most of you can say I still struggle today. Maybe you've been saved for years. You still struggle. But we do need to try to maintain good works. Alright? Just because we're not saved by works and just because we don't stay saved through good works, we should still do good works. Just because you don't have to go to church to go to heaven doesn't mean you shouldn't go to church. Just because you don't have to get baptized to go to heaven doesn't mean you shouldn't get baptized. All the things that God's commanded us to do. We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit of God that has sealed us to the day of redemption. We ought to do good works, but it's possible that we won't. In Galatians 5.16, it says, "For the This I say then, walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now let me ask you a question. Would God command somebody who doesn't have the Spirit to walk in the Spirit? Well, no. Okay, If they don't have the Spirit, how are they going to walk in the Spirit? They're dead in their trespasses and sin, right? Okay, we're just trying... This isn't complicated. We're just trying, but trying to use some common sense here. God wouldn't... So He's talking to save people here, isn't He? He says, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Did you know when you sin, it's because you're not walking in the Spirit? You're not being obedient to God. And therefore, you sinned when you didn't walk in the Spirit. And then verse 17 says, For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to another, so that ye cannot do the things that ye should. So when you're walking in the flesh, you can't do the things of the Spirit. Okay? And so this is talking about saved people here. So somebody who's saved and walking in the flesh, they're not going to succeed when it comes to church attendance. They're not going to succeed when it comes to morality and doing right. And throughout the Bible, we see saved people commit some pretty horrible sins, don't we? Why? Because they were walking in the flesh. When David, who was saved, committed that horrible sin with Bathsheba, what made him do that? He was walking in the flesh, wasn't he? And he went and he committed murder after that. Why? He was walking in the flesh. It, God didn't make him do those things. It was his flesh that did that. 
And you and I today, we need to understand even though we're saved, if we're not careful, if we get to walking in the flesh, we could be capable of some pretty bad stuff. And we can get ourselves in big trouble. And not only can we get ourselves in a lot of trouble, we're not going to accomplish anything good. You can't do anything good when you're walking in the flesh. The things that are good and proper, or the things that are good, the Bible says we cannot do the things that we would. You can't do it when you're walking in the flesh. That's why we preach so much against sin and why we try to motivate you to stay away from sin because we're hoping that we can accomplish something spiritual here, don't we? We want to see God do something spiritual and for that to happen, we have to be walking in the Spirit. But we see throughout the Bible, and you can look at Romans chapter 8, read that whole chapter, and there's many other passages that we can look at. For time's sake, we won't. We're going to see that it is possible for Christians to walk in the flesh even though the Spirit is inside us. And when we do, we accomplish nothing good. We only accomplish that which is bad. You will not do anything good by walking in the flesh. That's why we don't bring in the things of the flesh to try to draw a crowd. If we bring in the fleshly things, what are we going to, what spiritually good are we going to do with those? Absolutely not. The things of the flesh work against the things of the Spirit. And so this idea that you know, if you don't change, you didn't get saved. It's not right because the Bible says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. If you're saved, you didn't lose your salvation. And we see that it is possible for a saved person to walk in the flesh. And if you're walking in the flesh, we see that you cannot do anything good. But here's the thing. Here's the difference between us and lost people. Do we have to walk in the flesh? Absolutely not. Bible says, and you have he quickened who are dead in trespasses and sin. If you're saved, if that Holy Spirit's inside there, if we will yield to him, we are servants to who we yield our members to. And when you yield your, uh, when you yield yourself to the flesh, you're gonna do the things of the flesh. But when you yield to the Spirit, which a lost person cannot do, when you yield to the Spirit, you can accomplish great things for God. And so, hopefully, this well, what must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That sounds pretty cut and dry to me, doesn't it? I mean, we looked at a lot more than just one verse that says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, I, I believe we ought to clean up our act. I believe a person when they get saved that they ought to change, that something ought to happen, that they ought to start, you know, if they were, you know, robbing banks before, they ought to quit robbing banks after that. But we see in the Bible, but it's possible that they can still walk in the flesh. And if you do, you're not going to accomplish anything for God. When you stand before God someday, you're going to have no crowns that you're going to be able to cast at His feet. I mean, you're going to be saved like the Bible says, yet so is by fire. I believe you're going to regret it. You're going to wish you'd done more. But you're still saved. And I know that doesn't go with human reasoning one bit. And I know I could probably exercise a lot more control over you people if I could make you think you could you lose your salvation, or you know make you think if you know if you all don't keep giving your money, you know, your chances aren't looking too good and going. I could probably get more out of you that way. But you know what? I tried to find that in the Bible and I can't. <laughs> I I can't find it. And I in fact I'm finding the total opposite. And I hope you don't think that hey, you know, brother Tommy's okay if we're sitting. No, 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 no. We don't want to grieve the spirit. 
I mean, God forbid that we would take advantage of that grace that God gives us. I mean, I mean that that is just beyond despicable for us to do that. It's one thing for the lost world to act the way they do, but it's another thing for us to act like the lost world. And you know, and when we do, we ought to be ashamed of ourselves. And it it ought to cause I mean, cause us to just you know be be ashamed of ourselves. Like Isaiah said, "Woe is me, for I am undone." And it ought to cause us to turn to Christ and to try to just mortify this flesh. And like Paul said, he said, "I die daily." What was he saying? He's talking about dying to the flesh. He did everything he could to just not let this flesh control him because he wanted to do something for God. And he did great things for God. And he did it by walking in the Spirit. And that same Spirit that dwelt Paul dwells you and I if we're saved today. And if we'll walk in the Spirit and say no to the flesh, we can do great things for God too. So with that, I want us all to stand together right now.